Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to I'm a Writer But. My guest today is Julie Meyerson. Julie Meyerson is the author of 10 novels, including the best-selling Something Might Happen and The Stopped Heart, and three works of nonfiction, including Home, The Story of Everyone Who Ever Lived in Our House, and The Lost Child. As a critic and columnist, she has written for many newspapers, including The Guardian, The FT, Harper's Bazaar, and The New York Times, and she was a regular guest on BBC TV's Newsnight Review. She lives in London with her family. Welcome, Julie. Hi, very pleased to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. I um, loved your book. I was just telling you that it it came to me at exactly the right moment, which is my favorite feeling when I'm reading. Yeah, it's so amazing many, when books do that. Yeah. Yes, they they find us right when we need them. And yes. there were so many passages that I was underlining. I have sort of a similar, um, so this book is a fictional take on something that you actually went through, which was having a mm -hmm. child who was addicted to drugs. Yeah. And um, my I one of my siblings was and and in high school and. Um, oh, yes. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, she's doing great now. She's doing wonderful. Good. But, um, Good. You know, there, there was just so much here that I remember feeling that helpless dread and the rage and the sadness and yeah. the hope. Yeah. Um, and shockingly, which I wasn't expecting, um, you know, I knew that aspect of your of your book, but I didn't know there would be so many rich passages about writing. Oh, um, right. And I just, I, this is such a wonderful book, such a gem. Oh, and thank something you. that I can't wait to return to again and again. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, would you mind reading just a little bit? Give us a taste. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll read from the beginning. I think writers always do that because they don't really want to have to explain the plot. Yes. <laughs> so I hope it makes sense. Um, there's a night, I think this is the middle of June, when we lock you in the house. We don't want to do it, but, or so we tell each other, we seem to have no choice. In those days, we rarely go out. Any kind of social activity has begun to seem pointless. But for some reason, I no longer remember. We don't want to miss this dinner. So we lock all the doors and leave you with a hammer so you can smash a window in case of fire. Your father doesn't think this is necessary, but I think it's necessary. I don't want you to die in a fire. Or I don't want to have to sit through a dinner party on the other side of town while all the time worrying that you might die in a fire. I know, of course I do, that it makes no sense to leave you locked in there whilst alarmed with the means of escape. 
I know it's entirely possible, given the state of mind you're in, that you might start a fire just so you can have a reason to smash the window. It wouldn't be the first time you've taken such a risk, damaging property or possessions simply in order to get your way. It is, let's face it, exactly the kind of reckless trick you're capable of pulling back then. But I have to admit you don't do that. You make no attempt at all to get out. You microwave the dinner we leave for you and you rinse the plate and put it in the dishwasher. And then after watching something on your laptop, you go up to bed. When we return, the house is silent. Nothing seems to be missing or damaged. No money has been taken. The hammer is exactly where we left it on the table in the hall. You do not appear to have made any attempt to break the glass. I am sure that one day, when things are better, your father and I will look back on this time with disbelief. I hope that we will. For now, though, we take each separate incident in our stride, behaving, to each other anyway, as if this life of ours is normal, as if it's exactly the kind of life that everyone lives. Time blurs when you're dealing with chaos. Everything blurs. We too sometimes are a blur. Each morning we wake to a brand new day and we just get on with it, transforming ourselves into whatever shape or form is necessary in order to deal with whatever chaos or disaster comes next. So many things which pass for normal in our house. The windows broken, cups and plates smashed, the doors kicked in, the visits to A&E, the police being called. The times when one of us will almost without a second thought rush to hide the block of kitchen knives in the cupboard under the stairs or take the house keys from their hook by the door and fling them under a cushion on the sofa. The fact that I always hide my bag the moment I come home, and your father would never dream of leaving his jacket or trousers lying around with money in them. The anger and the anguish and the shouting, the things I no longer dare do or say, the dreams and plans I've ceased to find it in me to care about, the pleasures we've forgotten to take, the moments when we have no idea what's coming next, what violence or drama or deceit, when we can't imagine what new bad thing might lie around the corner. The jagged, upset evenings when I admit we find it very hard indeed to calm down. The days when my first thought on waking is, I don't know if I can go on like this. The nights when we talk and shout and weep and then, as if nothing at all has happened, we sit and eat dinner in front of the news, before putting ourselves to bed, where we sleep like babies, simply because there's no energy left in our hearts to keep us awake. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it's all there in what you read. It's all right there. Um, one of the things that really um, entranced me as I was reading was how the book jumps around in time. Yeah. And it really felt like the way that you as a human would be processing those, ki those kinds of events, those kinds of moments, you know, sort of recategorizing them, recataloging them, revisiting them, looking for clues. Yeah. Um, and and there's no real, um, I really appreciated that there was no real, and now we're going to talk about this thing that, you know, there was just, it was yeah. just natural the way that the book jumps around the way that the mind would jump around. I think it's true. I think I even say actually at one point that, if I know I do say it, I just don't know where, that you sort of, you know, you lose all sense of time. And when talking to each other about everything that's happened, you really can't remember, hold on, was that before that happened or after um, it, it really and so you don't actually think of this sort of thing in a linear way particularly and I did want to get that over yes, yes absolutely. So thank you for saying that yeah 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 and I think you know you could have approached this as um, okay I'm going to tell the story of this this child who becomes addicted and what happens to her family what happens to yeah. her parents but instead you approached it in this in this other sort of revolutionary way where <laughs> it's no I'm actually going to just be in the middle of of it yeah Was I think I want to write I want choice? to 
Yes, I think I, it's funny. Now you say it, I think I realise it was. I can't honestly say I've thought of it like that before, but I think it's true. I think what I was wanting, only because this is the only way I could write the book, was to write about what, what this experience does to your head. I mean, to the head of the family, to, to the heads of the people who care about someone who's using drugs. And it does a very strange thing to your head. I mean, it sends you kind of mad in a weird way. Um, how much you love that person and how much advice you take and how much you try to do the right thing. The actual experience is completely bizarre. And what, and I also was thinking, actually, when you introduced the book, I, it came into my head. It is true. I did worry when I wrote this book, because I think well, it was when you said about your own experience, the world is divided into people who've been through this and know what you're talking about. And they will instantly understand what I'm writing. And then perhaps people who haven't been through it, um, you know, can they even relate to this? Because I think it's very hard. And therefore, when you can't relate to something, it's boring. So I worried I would bore <laughs> at least half the world. But um, uh, And it's nice that actually people who other people, people who not everyone who's responded positively to it has had the experience, thank goodness. But I did worry about that. I do think it takes you to another place. And it's very nice when you meet people who have been through it and you realise they're as normal and interesting as you think you you yourself are and loving and <laughs> they're not they're not weird because I think that's the other thing I mean when you're in the middle of the experience I did try to convey this you know you actually you, you don't think you're a good person when you're the parent of someone going through this right yeah, yeah I think I think what you do so masterfully here is you have to hold in your head at the same time when you're going through this you have to hold in your head that this is someone that I love dearly this is someone I love dearly yeah. and they are an absolute monster right now yeah um, and it, it is so cruel, I think, what, again, this is in the book, but, you know, that the only way you can help your child going through this is to turn away, is to push right. them away. It's That is that is the worst. For me, that's the very worst thing, because actually families have all sorts of things happen to the people they love and to their children. Terrible things, worse things than this. But they can usually be there for them, mm -hmm. sit with them in hospital, talk mm -hmm. to the consultants that, you know, hope for them, I suppose. Yes, help them yeah. in some way because yes. they want to. Yes, and you can't. With help. this, you can't. Yeah, can't. and it's especially cruel. Yeah. It is. I, I just, I found that so, um, such a great choice that you made that it was, it was, you know, it, it really is a derangement that happens, you know, like mm -hmm. it. Um, they, yes, it is uh, a derangement. I agree. Soon after that passage that you read, they drop their daughter off at a center where she's going to be for yeah. three months and they're able yes. to... Um, enjoy sunlight you know yes <laughs> just be normal exactly yes like maybe but, i'll eat outside yes. and, and i know exactly go to the hairdressers see a movie right, yeah right right because that's i mean that's the other thing you i don't want it to be i hope the book isn't just about this but i do think you as parents of a child going through that you you just lose all sense of what makes you happy of what pleasure is um and again you know i was trying to convey that um it's a very right, hard well, you, very strange world yeah you don't think you deserve it on some level yes i think that's true Yes, I think you don't. And even as you're, um, yeah. you know, locking her into the home, uh, home yeah. you know, there's there's all these other horrible things yes. that could happen. And then just the relief that nothing happened, right? It's just... Yes, exactly. You just hit on it so yes. masterfully. Yeah. Um, yes. because, because actually you expect your child to behave monstrously by this stage. And of course, they don't always. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I became very... I'm, I ought to say, I mean... This is entirely a work of fiction in the sense that the daughter is an entirely made up person. I do have a daughter, but she's nothing like that. But I could see this girl. I knew this girl and I liked her. I began to care for her as I was writing the book, actually. And I knew that she was a good girl, really. I just knew that she was, um, even though she wasn't any of my children. Right. And of, co of course, it's, it's, it is entirely fiction. 
but I sort of this is what I say and I think this is true it's a fiction I couldn't possibly have written if I hadn't had this experience but right. I haven't literally written of my experience and a lot of it is very made up um other bits aren't but can you yeah. remember the first time that you glimpsed her that you that you had a an image of her oh that's a very that's an interesting question when did I glimpse her I can't really, but I know I glimpsed her very vividly. And and I should say also, I didn't sit down and sort of say, right, I want to write a book about a child using drugs. How am I going to do it? What will the character be? I just don't do things like that. So I, I wrote it. Actually, I knew that I could make this book when I I've been writing a lot, actually, a, a book that partly is this book and partly had other things in it that weren't working. And then I wrote that opening scene about locking someone in the house. Mm -hmm. And I just knew then. And I suppose I probably was able to see her when I was writing that Although it took me a while to address her in the second person, but I knew it was this girl. Um, but no, I can't really. But it, it is true. She's she's one of the most vivid characters to me that I've ever written, um, which is strange given that she couldn't be less like my own daughter. Actually, <laughs> weirdly, <laughs> you know, I know what it, I know what it's like to be the mum of a girl, but this is not my daughter in any way at all. So it's it's funny. I don't know who she is. I don't know if she's based on someone I've ever met or known. I don't think so. She just I have to see her right now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Do you remember the? the impetus for because you um you wrote a, a memoir called the lost child which was yes. about infamously yes infamously <laughs> yes 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 and that's yes. part of the reason that I yeah so connected with you because we also did the tough love thing with my sister and oh yeah um, and it's it's an, a terrible hard wrenching horrible thing yeah um, but it's like yes. you say there was nothing else to do yeah. there was nothing yeah. else to do and yeah. um so you you did, you know, talk about what actually happened in mm. your life. Yeah. Can you remember when you thought there's still more that I have to say and I need to say it in, in fiction? Do you remember? No, and I actually, um, no, I didn't. I can see why you would ask me that. It's an entirely reasonable question, but I never did think that. In fact, quite the opposite. I, the, I mean, The Lost Child is actually about something else. It's about a girl called Mary Yellily, a Victorian girl, and she actually takes up a good two thirds of the book, but we were having a very difficult experience with our son while I was writing it. And I found him slipping in because the book was about mothers and how little they can do to protect their children. This real life girl, Mary and her brothers and sisters almost all died of TB in 1839 or something. I can't remember the exact date. And I just couldn't, well, you know, as a writer, I was engaging very much with this story of this girl. And at the same time we were, we felt we were losing our son. And I found myself writing about it, but just in between the Marielle bits. Right. I mean, just little, almost fragmentary diary bits almost. And I did actually say to my husband, sorry, this is just the preamble to explaining the next book. I said to my husband, I don't know what to do. I'm writing this Marielle book, but I keep writing about our son. And he being a writer and a supportive husband, I think, although he's probably wrong actually, he said to me, just write the book you need to write and then we'll panic. And which, of course, <laughs> you know, is the best thing a writer can say to you. But actually, so with hindsight. So anyway, this book had the most I, it's very difficult because it's too long a story really to tell. But it had the most awful reaction over here. But and this is so I have to emphasize this. People re reacted to and wrote about the book before it was available to read. So the book they wrote about was an idea what they thought I might have written. They hadn't it wasn't available. It wasn't even in proof. And you can imagine as a writer, you'll understand this, I think. All writers are prepared to be attacked for what they've written. I often am attacked. I mean, I'm not often attacked, but I'm always ready for it. And I understand that. But not for something they haven't written, that people haven't read. And that was, I, it took me a long time to go over that. So the reason I'm saying that is I had no intention of ever writing about anything to do with drugs ever again. Yeah. And I was rather surprised 
it took me a long time to get over what happened with the lost child um I wrote some other novels I did get find my writing confidence again it took me a long time to find my person confidence I kind of fell apart really in some ways um but a lot of years have passed and I think I just found myself I was startled to find myself letting again this this story of drugs creep into this book and finding I suppose I assured myself that it was all right because it was fictional it was a different person but I still knew as I wrote it that I was really asking for trouble by publishing another book that that would I suppose again as a writer you'll understand this publishing a book that would allow reviewers to talk about the lost child in their reviews yes. I think that was the problem and of course I knew that um and I think I just thought bring it on come and get me I'm ready <laughs> I think that's what I thought and I also it took me ages to make this book work um by the time I finished writing it I knew it was the book I wanted to write wow. so I was kind of ready for whatever came and actually it hasn't been too bad I mean obviously I had all it's, it is difficult I don't another reason I don't like having to talk about the lost child right now is it's very important to me for our sons for our son really that we, I don't go around talking about that book because it, it was very difficult for him and I felt very responsible for what I'd done to him with it. Um, but he was very sweet when I was writing, actually I think when I'd finished nonfiction, I told him all about it and said, I'm really nervous because it's, you know, people are going to write about The Lost Child. And I can't remember what he said, but it was something along the lines of, oh, it's fine, mum, you know, just ignore them. And he sort of gave me a little pep talk really, which I thought was so sweet because, oh. you know, he had every right not to. He's, a, he's actually, I should say, he is the most, he's all right now, he's only as all right as someone who's used drugs can be because I think it it stops your life in various ways but he yes. is the loveliest most he always was the most engaged amiable kind of patient person it's hard to describe what he's like um his real self the not on drug self right um so anyway he was very but I, I to be honest I think he was more generous to me about the fact I'd written nonfiction that he than he could have been I right. suppose and I appreciate that and it moved me and that's why I have it when people ask me about the lost child of course they do but I sort of feel I must say as little about as possible about him because it's just not fair my poor kids you know they've all been talked about enough I do <laughs> I do know that do any of them write yes two are actually not our eldest but the other two I mean he's a musician but the other two are both writing um our son our youngest is writing a novel at the moment he's written a couple of novels not published but I think he has real talent he writes very like me actually wow. or he, or in the same way and our daughter is a tv writer and actually she's on the I won't say too much because again she would kill me but she's on the cusp <laughs> of real success she's had she's already had some kind of exciting success and is about to sell various things to various people I mean she will she will soon eclipse me and I'll be glad to be called the mother of her oh, I think that's how it's wow. going to go but Seriously, it's quite exciting what's happening to her yeah they're so all she's, they're all artists they're all artists god yes I wish wow. they weren't <laughs> yes yes and, they are and they came from a home where their parents were writers that's so interesting yes and um, I have to say we never ever encouraged them in fact if anything we said you know don't be writers we we really didn't encourage them but it's amazing how it seeps in it's just there yeah. yes it's it's yeah, there it is. it is um well, I'm glad we're talking about uh, <laughs> the influence of parents because one of the characters in the book that I love to talk to you about is the mother. Oh, yeah. Um, and the parallels that I saw with um, the man who uh, becomes her, I guess I can't really say lover. Yeah. Kind of lover. Kind um, of lover, yes. Kind he, of. They both, the narrator is, is so her mother is very, um, a very strong character. She has a very sad past. Mm -hmm. um and she sort of uh pronounces 
what reality is for her daughter. Yes. Yeah. And um, her daughter rarely fights back. And when she does, yes, very much upsets the mother. And yeah. the lover does so- kind of the same thing. Um, and when the mother dies, the lover comes yeah. into the picture. And I wanted to t- hear from you kind of what that meant for the for the narrator. Yeah, that's sort of- true. Yes, that's true. Actually, nobody else has said that. And it's absolutely true. And I think I am sort of consciously, but definitely subconsciously aware of that. But it's very true. I think they are both, they're both narcissists. I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is referenced, certainly for the lover at one point. And they're both kind of bullies, probably yes. the mother more obviously than the other than the man. But I I should say, I mean, the mother, it's funny, the mother is, and I can say this because she sadly died while I was writing the book, but she's the only character I didn't make up. She's entirely, I mean, obviously, when you write a novel and you, you write about somebody, of course, it's made up because it's my subjective right. um, viewpoint. But right. Yes, but I didn't, um, you know, almost word for word, some of the conversations are in there. I didn't, once once she died, I knew I didn't have to sort of worry anymore. I don't know what I was going to do. It, it's very difficult. I was estranged from her and I think I had to write this book, but I think it would have been very difficult if I'd published it while she was alive. And I think, I don't know, I don't, I hadn't faced that battle actually. I hadn't really thought about it enough. Did um, it feel good? Did it feel freeing when you realised I can actually say these things? I can say Not really. Them. No, it does now. It actually felt... It felt very devastating. Her death was very devastating to me. It was exactly as in the book. She was estranged from me. She asked them not to call me when they knew she was dying. She died fairly quickly and suddenly. It wasn't particularly expected. It was an illness that took her quite quickly. I still don't know all the details because nobody will tell me. I was banned from attending her funeral and told that I would be, um, there'd be someone to stop me if I tried to go there. And um, and that was all to do with, that was her, it's very sad. She would. She didn't really intend that, but it was her last bit of power. And she always used to, she's one of these people who used to always talk about when, when I'm at my funeral, you'll be sorry and all this stuff. You know, oh, no. I've um, both my parents have cut me out of their will at oh. different times and for different reasons, which I think is quite hilarious for such a mild mannered girl that I am. I'm a good girl. <laughs> cut out of both, but actually, I'm probably saying too much here, but I had to, I had toxic parents and I wrote, my father actually is also in the book and it's only a sketch really, but yeah, no, no, you were saying it didn't feel good. No, it didn't really. I think it it's a relief that it wasn't a problem what I've written. Yeah. She would have loathed this book, even though actually I tried to make peace with her in the book. I, I hope some people have said it's quite a sympathetic portrait in some ways. And I hope it is because I really I felt so sorry for the little girl she was. Yes. And she had a terrible childhood. And I think she was a bully. But, you know, she was fear is what propelled her into being a bully. Did and, she, was she really dropped off at boarding school at? age five she was sent not she was sent on an aeroplane to boarding school on the Isle of Man when she was five years old and the the strange thing one day I wish I could get to the bottom of this I still don't know partly because I think when we asked her she would never really tell us but and now of course she's gone and I can't really push her on I'd like to I want to know why they did that what was happening at home or what was so wrong or why did that happen it's extraordinary to do that to a five-year-old in 1944 I don't know um there may be a story there but either way you know we we all know what that would do to you to be sent away at five and I think she just she would have always described herself as a survivor but very much sort of at the expense of everything around her in some ways I think and no and it didn't feel good when she died I still again this did go into the book but I think I'm still making peace with her death I kind of it makes me very sad when I think about I wrote about her grave in the book and how I think of her and that's all entirely true Everything in the book about my mother is how I really feel about her. Um, and I think if she had been able to read it, I would love to think she could have recognised that it was written with love, but I don't think she would have. 
she hated my writing. She hated my writing. She hated my writing career. She hated everything about it. So. Do you, I want to ask you about that, but I, I do think um, it, you give us all of her. So she had a very, very mm. sad childhood. Um, there's a little, you know, little bits and pieces of, of her time at the boarding school and the way yeah. that her parents were. And <clears throat> you give us that and you give us um, the, even in the present, you know, day memories of her as she's dressing her daughter down or mm. um <laughs> even there there's kindnesses there's um yeah you know just just kind of describing her and trying to understand why she would say these things or yeah um, you know and and the the husband is much more uh cut and dry about the mother than the than the the narrator is the narrator yeah he is. sees her clearly he sees her in black and white yes I yes and true. it's not his mother and and the fact of the matter is mm. that it's your mother and and you're always going to yearn yeah. for for that character yeah. it made me think of um my name is lucy barton have you read that by elizabeth <gasps> yes Brown? i love that book yes i love that book and it's the same it's it's she's yes. has this just yearning for her mother and her mother yes, is she does terrible <laughs> but yes, also very flawed and very sad and and heartbreaking yeah um, yes now, I always say, I love that book. I'm the only person who's ever thought this, and I'm presumably wrong. But what I think there's a very good quest, very good argument in that book for the fact that her mother wasn't really there, didn't really come to the hospital. <gasps> wasn't, there, there, there are various moments, but I think I'm the only person who thinks this, and presumably Elizabeth Strapp doesn't think this, when the, the nurses come in and out and they don't really see her or pay attention to her. And I, I'm the only person who's read it like this, but I find it even more moving to read it that way, actually. And she never sleeps. <laughs> That's right. She never sleeps. Yes, there's various. It's a while since I read it, but there are. Very, I could put together a detective case for why she wasn't there. But I've never heard Elizabeth Strout say that. It's funny that you, that you immediately understand what I'm talking about. Of course. Well, because there's a moment yes. where she asks her husband, because I think the mother calls at some point. And, the, and she says, yes. well, did she ask about me? Did she say anything about me? And the husband is like, oh, honey, no, she didn't. That's um, right. I forgot. Yeah. It's a long time ago that I read it. But um, yes. Well, I think it's very anyway. Just that's a little side thing, but I no, I think it's a fantastic book. That book, it's kind of it's fantastic, and it's fantastic for everything that isn't said as much as for yes. the things that are said, which is true of all great novels, actually, isn't it? But you know, it's a God, she's a brilliant writer. It's the kind of book that book is the kind of book I almost can't read when I'm writing because it's too good and I don't know how to write like that. You know, oh, that there are some writers you can read. Yeah, there's something. It's some writers you just can't read when you're writing, and she's one of those for me. And you but know, yeah. another thing about her, not to make this about Elizabeth Strout, yes, but. She's very dark. She writes very dark and no one ever says that. <laughs> no, it's true. They sort of, she's got an almost slightly homey reputation. Yes. Not and quite Anne Tyler, but a little bit going that way. I agree. Absolutely. She's very dark. The stuff about poverty and stuff is is not, you know, is is not told in a way to make you feel at all comfortable or able to deal with it. No, no, it? no. I know. It's funny we feel the same. Oh, well, we'll have to have this uh, Elizabeth Strout episode. <laughs> well, can you can you interview her? Could you please interview her and ask her about that? I will. <laughs> I, I need to know. Will. I'll hit her up. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the things I kept thinking was, okay, yeah. we're seeing this mother and and you know the narrator's care, um, relationship with her mother mm. and her her yearning to understand or her yearning to just sort of be at peace with her mother. And of yeah. course, I'm always thinking, well, the narrator is also struggling with that with her daughter and the and she's the mother in this situation mm. and her yeah. and she's wondering how her daughter sees her and you yeah. know she doesn't want to do the things that her mom did um yes and so you know I, I felt like that was such a poignant you never come out and say it you never come out and, and make that comparison for us but of course it's mm -hmm. always there yeah the it's mother funny. I... and the daughter and the you know 
Well, it's true, but because lots of people after after this book was written and once it was sort of out there, or people were reading it, perhaps before it was published, actually, um, everybody was saying, you know, oh, of course, this is a book about mothers and daughters. And the weird thing is, when I was writing it, I didn't see it that way. I mean, of course, it is. Um, I don't know why that is, but I just didn't. It, I didn't set out to write a book about mothers and daughters. It just obviously it was hard to write to write a truthful protagonist narrator if if she didn't have a relationship of some kind with her parents and. Obviously, I was going to write about my mother, but yeah, I didn't really see it that way. I thought it was a book about families and abuse and writing. I but... think, like when I think of a of a of a book about an addicted child and and parenthood, I think of Loved and Missed by Susie Boyd more than I think of nonfiction. I oh yes, nonfiction... no, I loved. I read that quite recently. That's a, I thought it was very well done. Yes. I've now forgotten it, but I did think it was. I really admired that book. Yeah, that told I, it very I think well. You're absolutely right that nonfiction is kind of more about perception, and it's more about yes. like understanding yourself in relation to everyone in your life. And... Yes, I think yes. I mean, it is about that thing that I think they said on the cover, but about you know, can a writer actually? I think I wrote that actually when they were asking <laughs> what, should be, what should be on the cover. I think I wrote this, but about it's about can you trust a writer with the truth of their own story? Right. And I think that's partly me saying. That is partly me post the lost child saying, no, I can't be trusted. I'm dangerous. I'm I'm a bad person and a bad writer, you know, and this is all in the book, really. The fact that, you know, I was for the lost child I, actually hits me now bringing it back to the lost child, isn't it? But, you know, I was attacked not just as a writer, but as a parent. And it's yeah. so hard to be told. I was told I was a bad mother. And the really bad thing was that at a certain point I started to believe that. Oh. And I did. I believed it. I took. I decided they were right. Um, I now don't think they were right, but I did at the time. And it, you know, I really did fall apart. Actually, I couldn't drive the car or anything. Oh my god! Um, but and it took me a while to sort of get back from that. But um, what am I saying? Yes, so I've lost my thread now. What we were talking about, but perception. Um, yes, perception is for me. This is much more. If you, if I, I didn't want to think this was just a book about addiction and drug abuse because I. I would find that quite a boring idea, I think, because as I said to you before, I actually, you know, unless you've experienced drug addiction, I think it is a dull story because they're all the same. Every story is the same in the most relentlessly boring way, in a way. And I didn't, I think I would never have set out to write a book about just that because I don't think it would captivate enough people. So it has to be universal, doesn't it? You have to write something that everybody's going to respond to. Um, and even the stuff about writing, actually, I hugely hesitated to include because I've always said I'll never write about a writer I always put people with proper jobs in my books because <laughs> and I think writers you know there are some books out there about writers which I well I think could do without could do with less about the writing so I felt that was a bit of a risk actually um but then once I started writing it I loved writing it so everything I feel and know about writing is in this book for better or for worse oh it's so good there are so <laughs> many juicy bits about writing and about um yeah. like what makes it meaningful and um yeah. you know I I took pictures of like three whole pages and pasted them into my my chat with my students and I oh, said so I just so nice I want to really? hear what you have to th say about this it was with her you know oh, the really? meeting with her with her yes. um, client um, yes where she has so many amazing um rants I would say about about <laughs> writing and they're so yes. so beautiful and so I want to hear from you because I I think um having become a parent, having been a parent for mm -hmm. 11 years now, um, mm -hmm. I was struck by how, um, time changed for me. And, and, um, you know, like I felt like I was living all the times of my life all at once. Mm -hmm. I could see 
myself as a child. I could see myself as a parent. I could see myself in the future looking back on this time. Yeah, it does do that, doesn't it? That's true. It does. Yeah. And I and I feel like there's parallels there with with writing. And 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 you oh, know, that's interesting. I, I wanted to hear from you if you agree with that. If you think that, that um, you know, this attempt that we're that we're making to make, you know, as as writers mm. has anything to do with this other attempt that we're making to, you know, do the best we can with our children. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say. Well, you were a writer before you were a parent. Yes. Or not. Yes. You see, I, it's difficult for me to say because I wasn't, I had, before I had babies, I had a proper job in an office and I was, I wanted to be a writer since I was a child, but I, I started, I had it. Then I had Jake, our eldest. Then I had my daughter two, two years later. And I think it was, it was only because someone made me semi-redundant from the office. It was very bad, actually. I sort of lost half of my job that oh. I thought, right, I'm going to sit down and write that novel. Actually, my husband, who's very bossy and is also a writer, said, stop talking about it, just do it. And I was on maternity leave. And it, it, this is totally coincidence, but my father killed himself the night our daughter was born, only oh because, it, no, it sounds more meaningful than it is. It was New Year's Eve and he killed himself on New Year's Eve, as people do. And she happened to be due on New Year's Day and she was born in the early hours of New Year's Day. He didn't know that. It always sounds so dramatic when I tell that story and I almost feel I haven't earned the drama that people, you know, when people hear it. But, but all that had happened to me. I had two children and I sat down and started a novel, which was my novel Sleepwalking. And by the time it was published, I'd had another baby. So it took me about 18 months or maybe two years to write because um, I broke off to give birth and then carried on. So by the time my first novel was published, I had three children under three and a half, I think it was. Oh uh, that was all my babies. I had them all by the time I was 31. So yes, and then my book was published when I was 34. So I, in a, in a funny way, I associate almost sort of in my body, the idea of writing novels with the idea of having children. Yeah. I don't think, I actually think before I had, perhaps this is answering your question actually, because I don't think before I experienced becoming a mother, I was mature enough or had enough to say in a weird way. I wanted to. I used to write little scraps of things that could have been novels, but they were terrible. But once I became a parent and gone through all that, and maybe losing my father was a part of it, I felt a new kind of authority settled on me. And I sort of sat down at the screen and was able to say things on the page that felt exciting and a little bit uncompromising, which certainly which excited me. And that's how I wrote my first novel. And I just kept going and... I was amazed when I finished my first novel. I I felt it can't possibly be published because things like that don't happen to people like me. And at the same time, I thought it can't possibly not be published because I know it's brilliant. <laughs> that feeling, that amazing feeling that writers have because it is it's a funny thing, isn't it? Right, you have you need insane confidence to finish a novel. I think insane self self belief. At the same the time, you don't believe in yourself at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. and both were true. And both are true every time I write a novel now, actually. But I think, so to answer your question, I think for me, it's very hard for me to disentangle motherhood and writing. And, you know, we had all the, I have to say, my husband did so much childcare while I finished that novel because I was working three days a week in an office. You can imagine the Sundays that he took the children off to the park and stuff. He was wonderful. And then we, you know, we... I won a prize with an extract from it before it was published. I think I won £10,000, which we used to pay for a bit more nursery for me. So they went to nursery a couple of hours a day so I could carry on writing. So it was all like that. You know, yes. every writer who's a parent of young children knows that stuff. But it's amazing, how, isn't it? How, I think this is true of all mothers of young children. You suddenly find you can concentrate because you have to. Yes. The day is a whole lot shorter. You have to think really hard about what you actually want out of these hours, the hours that you don't have to be with them. Yes. And that was a big part of it for me, I think. Um, really but I'm so glad, you know. Yeah, so I feel my children made me into a writer. And 
Yeah, and it's kind of, it's almost ironic that I then got into so much trouble for writing about them because the other thing is that my children are everything to me. I mean, I know every mother would say that, but they are, they are literally the only, by far the most interesting thing that's ever happened to me. And I only write about the things I care really deeply and passionately about. So how can I possibly not write about them? It's been very, you know, it's very hard not to, is the problem, to write about motherhood, to write about children. I, I, I so relate to that. And I, I think um, it can be so easy to make these pronouncements um, of, you know, that the internet and the wider world yeah. loves to make of how dare yeah. she or how dare yeah. he or um, what people should exactly, write about. It's right. yes. it's exactly like you're saying. It's something that I deeply care about and something that this is how I process things that I deeply care yeah. about. Yes, and absolutely. You're speaking yes. to people who need need this. You know, you're speaking yes. to people who've been there and who need. Exactly. Need and we can't. And, and if we can't write about the the you know, life's most difficult problems and most upsetting problems, whether it's drugs or something else, if we can't write about them and share them as honestly as we can, then, you know, what is writing for in a way? That's not to say it's therapy. I don't believe it is therapy, but, um, and it's not to say you can't write fiction, but it's about transmitting a feeling, isn't it? And yeah. saying to people, this is how it felt for me. I wonder how it felt for you. For me, that's very important, actually. Oh, that's this is why, it's why Elizabeth Strout's novels are so bruising, because they yes. feel so true. Yes, yes. And, and they, they're not making it easy. They, you know, it, they almost hurt to read, don't they? They, then, but I've have, but they have given me a lot of solace in a way because yes. they're like that. Yes, yeah. because um, it's a recognizable pain. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Knowing yes. that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a, a great feeling and a terrible feeling all at once. I want to talk about um, another thing that, speaking of being moved by a novel, something that I will probably think about again and again and again till I die. Um, is there's there's a theme of freedom um in the novel and being free oh, right. and what that means and um especially for for a woman and a writer and i'm i'm speaking about there's this moment where um she's talking to a writer friend of hers who hadn't been able to write for years and years oh yes um, and right. went through a very fallow period and had gone through a divorce i believe it was a divorce right it wasn't yes a, yes that's right her children yes. were getting older and and yeah. she was just in this deep fog and one day she woke up and realized she was beholden to no one and and her yeah. life was no longer defined by these labels of mother yeah. and wife. Yeah. She could free herself from that without freeing herself from the bond, right? Like the bond yeah. still existed and and the love yeah. was still there, but she realized there was a freedom there. And because of that, she sat down and, and just wrote and wrote and wrote. And yeah. I had never encountered that in anything I had never considered that before I'd never considered that kind of freedom well that's really that's really interesting I it's funny because when you said freedom I suddenly thought where where is that um, <laughs> but it's very funny that scene I was quite far on with the novel actually and um I was talking to a pretty famous writer who I won't name at a party someone I don't really know very well but we were at a party and we stepped outside exactly like that so she could smoke and she she doesn't know she's in the book <laughs> and, um, and we had a conversation which actually wasn't that conversation because I've made most of that conversation up but its tone clearly was that conversation so when I found myself writing that scene it's really funny isn't it how novel how fiction works I could see her and I could yeah. see so everything that's visually described is is her in this person's back garden about when was it two three years ago but but what she says is not her words and I've made them up and I, even the circumstances, it was slightly her circumstances, but not quite. And then as I wrote it, I knew what I was really writing about was my own state of mind and what I feel yeah. 
yeah. not in a way I've experienced, although I haven't really experienced any of what she's talking about. But it became so true for me and so belonged in the book. And it's kind of actually that scene almost more than and there are other scenes that I would say the same is true of, but that scene perhaps more than any other. When I think about it now, and if I were to reread it, I haven't read it for a long time. Um, it's very hard for me to disentangle where it comes from, what it's about, why it belongs in the book, but it does. And one day I might dare say to her that there was a scene in my novel that was inspired by a conversation with you, which she probably doesn't even remember. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? How, yeah, it's just, it's funny how these things work, how one writes, where you get your bits from. It absolutely belongs in the novel because it does. It does. That the, that the narrator's thinking about all the time, right? I know. And, but it was um, a random decision I made just at a certain point when I was quite far on with the novel. And I remember when I wrote that scene thinking, hold on, why am I writing this? Does it belong? You know, is this just padding? Will this work? But it needs to be there, definitely. Yes, yeah, it's I, funny. I, I love how the the writing, the writing life asserts itself again and again in this in this book, because yeah. we are, you know, shackled to this really sad story about the child and, yeah. and and our hope for her and the mother's hope for her and yeah and you know the effects it's having on the marriage and yeah. and yes. you know as we've talked about perception yeah. as a whole yeah. but the writing I think yeah I, th I think it's true because what I was saying to you about I've never written about writing before because I sort of I almost disapproved of people who wrote about writing <laughs> but obviously some people write brilliantly about it but I do think it's also written about badly sometimes and who really cares what it feels like to be a writer you know do we really mind but I think perhaps because I've because I've been told off for being a writer more than most people, and I really have been told off. I think that's why I sort of felt right. I'm now allowed to write about writing. I'm going to do it, whatever, whatever they think. Because I also it gave me great pleasure writing about the various um, festivals and readings that she does, because those are all entirely made up. They're not based on anything, although sometimes I can see the place. They're based on somewhere I have been. But I wanted to I went out of my way. I, I wrote them knowing that people would try and work out who I'm talking about, which festival, which interviewer, which writer, and they're all made up. But I loved, there was a part of me, a mischievous part that wanted to do that, that wanted people to be thinking I was writing something entirely real. And yet, you know, the actual, the feeling you get from that is entirely real. It's, it's exactly what I think about doing those things, but it isn't actually literally true. So I, I think that yeah. I think it rings so true all throughout and and I'm reminded of something that you said earlier about <laughs> there was a moment where having children gave you an authority to be uncompromising on the page. Mm. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. that I don't think I even thought that till I said that to you, actually, but something about the way you've been talking to me made me realize that. Well, I think it's so it's such an important moment in any writer's life where you get to that point and you get to that point mm. in, in a, a million different ways. You know, you just you do. I, for me, it was, I frustrated myself trying to sound like Alice Monroe to the point where I was like, I have just, I just have <laughs> to sound like that. Yes, <laughs> I have to just write the way I would write, you know, which yeah. is such a silly thought. Yeah. But what I've discovered <laughs> is it's not something that stays with you. It's it, sometimes things break and things change and you have to reestablish yeah. your authority and your uncompromisingness. You I agree. And yes, you do. You had to do that in your life after being yeah. so unfairly tortured. Um, yeah. And the writer is is having to do that. Or the, the narrator is having to do that in this book. Um, yes. And, and she's searching. She's really searching. And yeah. we're on that search with her. I think actually it's funny. I, the, I, I'm sure, Well, I don't know this, but I would suspect that the most interesting writers are constantly doing that. Sort of you're having to re not only re-find your confidence, yes. but 
even I hope even the most famous and successful ones feel this, but not only that, but also renegotiate your relationship with writing at all. Why are you doing this? And, you know, why does the world need another book from you? And these are quite important, serious questions. Yes. And I think if you're not doing that, I mean, there are probably plenty of writers who aren't doing that, but they probably aren't the writers I'm most interested in reading. Um, that's, uh, you know, self-doubt is one of the most interesting things a person can feel, isn't it, actually? We all feel it in all sorts of ways. But I think particularly with writing, I... It's, yeah, it's, it's odd. Being a writer is an odd thing. I think you don't you don't naturally earn the right to say things that people are going to want to listen to or read. Right. I don't think. I don't think anyone does. I think mm. I think it's just tied back to um, going really, really deep into, you know, your um, I was going to say intention, but even intention doesn't really matter, I think. Yes. Um, but but understanding that I'm doing this because I have a question or I don't fully understand this thing or I'm I'm yeah. looking for grace I'm looking for understanding or connection and you know like going back to like these really human reasons why we started doing this in the first place rather than yeah. I want the big book deal which of course we all yes. want absolutely yeah you're right it's funny because when you say intention I sometimes actually I feel slightly um uh, sort of embarrassed that when people people often do ask me you know what did you mean with this book they've done you know in the past too and I often don't really have I'm never sure what I have I don't write I think I've I have said this before but I I don't write ever because I've got something to say right. I write in order to find out what I have what I want to say yes. and that finding out process takes the whole time of the book and I don't, sometimes I'm not even sure when I finished it and then you read the reviews and they say oh as usual, her themes of this, this, and this, and I sort of think, oh, that's interesting, are they? You know, I hadn't realised that. <laughs> but I definitely, I exactly, I definitely don't write because I have had an idea and want to put it down. But I do know this about myself that I find the process of writing, the telling, the way of telling, the tone, the atmosphere, the thing you can do by putting one word in front of another, I find that so immensely exciting. That's what makes me write. Um, but of course, if you're going to do the telling, you've got to have something to tell. So you've got to concentrate very hard and say you know you've got to listen to yourself and say what's happening here exactly what is going on and I do that and I also edit myself furiously I mean I get rid of every other word all the time but in terms of but I think there are a lot of great writers who do have intent who say I want to explore this or something right. I just I can't imagine ever doing that I can't either and I'm Not so intimidated by that <laughs> It's like that feels like a capital yeah. A author out there yeah. doing that kind of work at their typewriter, and I, 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 I agree. Maybe men here. write like that. More men write like that. I, I agree. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, I um, know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I often talk about how my favorite books are where it feels like the writer is up to something, and I don't need a satisfying. In fact, I, I prefer there not to be a, a closed, yeah. satisfying ending. I want to leave the book and go, okay, well, I really need to think about all of that. Cause I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, and also, I do, you, the... do you need to know whether they know what they're up to? Cause I don't no. think I do. No, exactly. No, that... I, I want to go on that journey. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to yes. make, create the, the experience along with the writer. Exactly. Yeah. I agree um, about that. And that kind of reminds me of how you've ended this book, which yeah. spoiler for everyone. Um, <laughs> Is is the narrator sort of offering up a, a hypothetical where the child dies? Um, yeah. And, but by the end of the hypothetical, it feels more real than than just the writer saying, "Well, what if this was the ending?" Um, yeah. 
and I don't have I the answer it's... and I'm and I and I like not having the answer and and it deepens yeah. every question that the narrator narrator has posed throughout the book yeah I think what I was trying to do with that I wasn't again I wasn't particularly conscious of this at the time but having thought about it a bit I think again when I said you know I was trying to write about how being the parent or the loved one of an addict kind of sends you mad sends you into a completely different you know it messes up your head completely I think I wanted to write about the fact that and I think I do feel this strongly actually about our child um that even though things seem to turn out more or less all right perhaps uh it never leaves your mind the idea that they might not have and indeed you know actually with drugs there is always the possibility of it continuing um I did write, I mean, I, I should say, I did, he wouldn't mind me saying this because actually he said it in the press, but our eldest, although the lost child was about his his skunk use, which was bad enough, he later, having been fine again, used heroin. And that's what this book is about. So I do know about heroin and heroin is a whole different ball ballgame. Yes. Um, and heroin, actually, you're always a recovering addict. I mean, you are actually with skunk as well, but you really are with heroin. And I don't think he'd mind me mentioning that because he has mentioned it himself in the press. Otherwise I wouldn't, otherwise I would have kept it absolutely quiet. But so I write about heroin with real authority. And I think I couldn't write a book where there is a possible, not exactly happy ending, but that things become resolved in a, you know, in a happy way. And I couldn't do it without leaving that other possibility there because it's always there as a parent. There's a bit, you know, there's a bit earlier on, I nearly read it as the reading bit, then I thought it was too dark. But when about the impact statement, the parents have to write at the rehab place Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we had to write one. And you how you you do write this down. And luckily, I can barely remember what this felt like, but I can remember, you know, you're you are constantly the two of you as parents actually calmly discussing what will we do if he overdoses and dies? Or I'm going to say she because it's the daughter in this book, but And how what would what would happen? Would the police find us? Would they tell us in time? Would we be able to get there? Might they be on their own? You know, the idea of your child being alone and that happening. And I really did hear a story. There was a story on the radio of a girl who overdosed. It's a real life girl. I heard this in the middle of the night on the radio who who wouldn't call her father because she felt she'd put him through too much and went and crawled into the backseat of her car. Yes. and died yes. and that story I heard that in the middle of the night when we were going through this with our son and it it was both unbearably bleak and absolutely the way I was thinking all the time it's where my head was all the time so not at all bleak just just every day absolutely that was the reality we were living and so I think there's a there's a sorry it's hard to write to talk about this actually because it it's very very it is still quite there, actually, in my head in a way. But I had to, um, in order to write this book honestly, I had to depict my very worst possible fear and imagine the scene and imagine it really, really with as much courage and when courage is the wrong word, as, as much kind of Elizabeth Strout bravery as I possibly could. <laughs> and so the, the ending of this book is really saying, you know, don't relax don't relax it's still there this is still that was your worst nightmare your worst fear it's still your worst fear it may even have happened who knows I you know I I don't I'm not sure I know what happens at the end of this book because actually I think all stories of addiction have open endings actually in a weird way Mm -hmm. um that's all I can say really about that but it was very necessary the book would not have been okay without that ending for me 
that's the other thing when you're writing, isn't it? You write, I know when what I've written is what the book needs. And I knew that's what it needed for sure. And if someone, if some publisher had come along and said, oh, the ending is a bit bleak because I've had these things said to me before. Can we just lose that, that dark ending? I couldn't have, I couldn't have done that. Couldn't have lost it. And that's why I love it because it's your authority and it's your uncompromising. Well, thank you. Writing. It's probably too bleak for a lot of people though, I would imagine. No, Not everyone I... wants a book. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I guess I just like books like that. I just like <laughs> books that, um, you know, I'm reminded, yeah. I, I interviewed Yael uh, Goldstein Love, who wrote a book called The Possibilities, in which she believes her son, she believes that she saw her newborn baby dead. And, but right. then her baby ha- didn't die. But she, using quantum physics, she realizes that there is a parallel universe in which the baby did oh, die. I and, love, okay, and it was, I love that. Yeah, so she was sort of trying to deal with um, her own yeah. real life postpartum feelings of what if by actually oh that's thinking. exactly that oh that's yes. very much well, I think that is actually kind of what I'm doing here as well I I, I like that sorry what's the author's name I must look her up um yeah El Goldstein. Goldstein Love okay yeah okay it's called look The Possibilities and and she was very yes. adamant about oh yes I've heard of that yeah I know, want to read it not sort of just brushing those feelings off as a parent you know like really yeah. really giving those feelings attention and sort of yeah. laying them out because you have to be of two minds all the time even as you a do. parent as a parent of a of a you know a very young child that you're trying yeah. to keep alive as a parent of a, an older addict Absolutely. child you have to be very pragmatic so do. almost removed and you have to be very uh sensitive and boundaryless yeah. in a way and that's very true. hard that, oh, no because I agree I mean the possibilities that's brilliant because it's true that everything large that we do in life, whether it's falling in love or having children or, you know, every everything like that has, has, has got all the possible outcomes, hasn't it? It has to. That's what our imaginations do when we're making large, passionate, powerful decisions. Yes. And they're always there, those possibilities. And I think it's also true that sometimes people say my novels are quite dark and I know they are, but I... I do write about loss a lot in all my books. I don't know why it's obviously to do with my childhood. I don't know what it is, but I'm always writing about loss. But, you know, you can't have loss without love. So I think my books are about love because they're about, you know, you can't possibly, there's nothing to lose unless you really love. And so my books are about all, the best side of life, the very best of life. But how, you know, we're, we're constantly in danger of losing it, I suppose. And we that's the human condition for me that we have to live with that. Well, I think, you know, there is no dark book without light, right? So it's kind of the yeah, same exactly. thing, right? Your books yeah. are not dark. They're just... No. <laughs> the, other saying, you know, the, the moment we become parents, we immediately stand to lose everything, don't we? I mean, we're immediately putting ourselves in a position of such risk. I mean, the most tr- terrible risk. It's Yeah. And you have to let your child become who they become. Of course you do. You can't protect them from everything. You can't. Yes. You, you can't... can't. Uh, you know, and maybe that's something to do with how the mother was de- dealing with the narrator was, you know, I'm going to force you into this box of yes. what I believe is real and you yes. are just going to go along with it. Yeah, I think it and- is true. I think my mother and the mother in the book, but my mother, she loved me very much, but she didn't know how to be a parent without being in control all the time. Mm-hmm. And so she she was a good parent of young children. She loved being a parent of young children, I think. But as I got older, she didn't, she just nothing in her life had prepared her for realizing your children are not to you. They're actually a different person. And you have to let them go and you know enjoy seeing them. It's, it's something I'm going through at the moment actually. I won't say with which of my children, but with several of my children, <laughs> two out of three of them, I'm having to sort of say, hmm, that's not how I would handle it. But you're an adult of course yes. you've got to handle it that all I can do is love you be here you know and and 
help you when when you want the help but you have to let them you know obviously you do but it's hard as a parent doing that oh it's it's so hard I find mm-hmm. you know even my young children when they're asserting themselves I find that I go absolutely still and I don't move and I don't speak <laughs> I know that feeling <laughs> and they must because... just be like what is wrong with you but I'm like I'm just trying right. to let it happen <laughs> the mommy antennae are going are out there aren't they going oh yes, <laughs> yes I know exactly I know <laughs> Well, Julie, this book is incredible. It's called Nonfiction. Tin House is publishing it in the US. Publishing um, it wonderfully, I should say. They are the most fantastic publisher. I'm just blown incredible. away by by the much the passion they're putting into it, actually. Anytime they contact me about featuring an author, I'm like, well, I know I'm gonna love the book because Tin House only publishes absolute bangers. Yes, um, they have very good taste, don't they? I think they so really too. Do, <laughs> yes. Including in your book, nonfiction. <laughs> um, if you are a writer. If you are a parent, if you are a child of a parent, you will love this book. It's it's just oh. chock full of brilliance and so much meaning. And I'm just so happy that you came on. I just thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. You made me think hard about some things, actually, that I hadn't thought about. So I appreciate it.